um, for those of you who may not know me, uh, my name is Bob Menzer. I'm one of the teaching elders here. Uh, been in the church for, wow, a lot of years. And uh, I don't know. The question was, how many? Uh, I don't know. Okay, it was in the 80s somewhere. You remember those, those, the 80s, there was, never mind. I'm going to go back a little bit further than that in my message today. So um, I, I actually ran one of these slides past my wife, and she said, what are you talking about? And I'm, so I left it in. Uh, I guess that's just pride. But you'll know it when you get to it because you'll all say, what is he talking about? You know, this year's theme has been Divine Pursuit. And I particularly liked it because of its uh, double meaning uh, in that God is after us. At the same time, we can be after him. And I'm going to do a quick year review, but Judas started us this year with Jeremiah 29 and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And there is that pursuit, and God says, I want your heart. I've given you a new heart. I want you to pursue me. This is who I am. I am the living God. I am the creator. I am the one who has put this all together and given you a ransom search for me. Seek me out. I have things to give to you. I have things to tell you. I have ways to show you. And then Alan began teaching us about forgiveness and how we are a forgiven people. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. We are a forgiven people. And so many times we think ourselves are beating ourselves up because we have come short. And God says, I have forgiven you. I have forgiven you of your past. I forgive you today. And I'm going to forgive you tomorrow because that's who I am. He has forgiven us. And then um, Donovan, last week, in the last couple of weeks, taught on love well. And one of the scriptures he uses, in this is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know, and that's some, one of the things that's really sometimes very hard, is if we understand, which Donovan talked about, if he loved us when we were enemies, how does he not love us now that we have been brought in to his presence, how that we have been brought into the fold. He loves you. And you need to get that into your head, into your mind, into your soul. God loves you. As you are today. And it's just as a parent loves his children. I don't love the, some, some of the things my kids did, but I loved them and I trained them Actually, my wife did most of the training to, to, to respond to not only discipline, but to respond to love. And um, so that's what he's doing with us. So today's message 
is from 2 Peter. And we are going to look at just verses 1 through 11. And we're only going to get through verses 1 through 4 today, if, if, if we make it that far. I'm hoping we do. Um, but the overall sense of 1 Peter 1.11 is uh, he's talking about things that we have been granted. And then the, the latter part of verses 1 through 11 talks about efforts we are to make leading to the knowledge of God. And so we're going to kind of break that down as we go along today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start by reading the, the entire passage. And if you have it in your Bibles, you may want to open your Bibles. Or we have this wonderful overhead that you can look up here and follow along there. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purifications from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make sure about, make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble for in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. So, our theme over the next two weeks is entitled, Life and Godliness. And I like this particular slide because if you read the tiny print, I don't know whether you can see it, there, it says, here's all you need, love dad. And so he's going to be talking about life and godliness. Today's message is entitled Everything. Now, Have you ever? Yes, you have. You've been driving down the highway and your GPS says, okay, in three quarters of a mile, take exit 41C. And you think, okay, I don't know how far three quarters of a mile is, but I'm gonna take exit 34C. 
And then you think, well, wait a minute. Does it go A, B, C, or does it go C, B, A? I don't know. And before you know it, you've gone past the exit. And uh, so I'm telling you that ahead of time as we kind of work our way through First or Second Peter chapter one verses one through four, I'm going to take some off ramps, zoom, and I'm going to float around out there, and I'm going to check out the countryside, and then I'm going to come back in. In and, and other times you're going to say, well, wait a minute, you just drove right past that, and I'm driving right past it because I have to get to a verse eleven or twelve by next week, so I'm going to go right past them. So don't get all bummed out that say, why, why, didn't you, why didn't you stop there, get off that exit? Um, and it's just because I, I have to get to the end. <laughs> so I want to start with this prayer. And uh, a couple of, uh, last year sometime, I taught on this particular prayer. It's the Shema. Um, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And if you recall that teaching, the word here uh, is Shema. And that's the reason they call this the, the prayer, the, the Shema prayer. Uh, and every, for centuries, uh, every good believing uh, Israelite prayed this prayer in the morning and in the evening. And there is no word for obey in the Jewish language, in the Hebrew language. The word hear means if you are listening, that means you are responding. And I appreciated Donovan last week when he was talking about, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Um, now you have to understand, there is no word for obey. The word for obey is shema. And so when the translators of this took a look at it, they said, well, this is just not going to make sense if we say, behold, to listen or to hear is better than sacrifice because the intent of it was to obey. And so they translate it, obey. So when we get to 2 Peter, we're going to labor over some of these words because the translation of the word does not always meet the English language. We have, uh, we have a language that's, that is uh, not in depth as the Greek language. Let me give you another example. I don't have a slide up there for that, but, but you know, we use the word love. Well, if you're Greek, there are three, at least three distinctions of love. You have the eros, which is the, uh, the sexual love, the, the love that you, you could have between uh, a husband and wife. Or you have philo, which is uh, a brotherly love. That's where we get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. No cheering. And uh, then we have agape. And agape is an unconditional love. And my wife and I have talked about this because I love her unconditionally. I have an agape love for her. It doesn't matter whether she burns my eggs or whether she uh, doesn't butter my toast or whether 
she, I did this. I, I shrank her, I washed her sweater, which turned out to then fit, well, oh, I think it was smaller than that. Um, but, it, you know, and it, and it didn't matter because there was that agape love. It's an unconditional, and that's what God loves us. It's an unconditional love. You can't do anything to inhibit that love. And I suppose this is the time to tell you that I banged up the car, okay? <laughs> so, so we're going to run across a couple of words, and we're gonna, I'm going to take an off-ramp on those. So just hang on, because we'll get back on, I hope. But the first passage we're going to look at is Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received the faith the same kind as ours. And I'm going to stop there. Because what we need to understand is we're identifying who is speaking to us. And I love how he has done this because his real name is Simon. But Jesus, we see in the 16th chapter of Matthew, changed his name to Peter. And Peter, here, and when he's writing this, he says, here, this is Simon Peter. I'm telling you who's writing this letter. So you know that up front. You know I have spent time with Jesus Christ. And then he says, a bondservant. Now in Greek, there are five different levels of the word servant. The bondservant is the bottom of the pile. And we don't understand bond servants at all because we are live in a country where we have rights. We have the Bill of Rights. I have rights. Uh-huh. Or you work for a company in, in a union. You say, oh, no, these are my rights, my rights. But a bond servant has no rights at all. You can't complain. You can't do anything. And in Deuteronomy... We'll come back. But in Deuteronomy, it's an interesting passage because uh, what they would do is their servants would serve for six years. And on the seventh year, if you had a servant who worked for you six years, and in the seventh year, you were required to set him free. You are under uh, no obligation to me at all. But if the servant said, oh, you are my master. You have been good to me. I love you. I want to stay with you. This is a different culture. They would take an awe and they would go to the doorpost of their master's house. I don't know how they did this. I think they probably had help. And they would take their earlobe and they would put it there and they would bang the, the awe through the earlobe and into the doorpost. And it would be a sign that said, I am your servant for the rest of my life. And so Peter, opening his letter, says, I am bound. That's who I am. I am a servant. Now, we don't know who yet. Well, we really do, but from, if we're reading this letter, we just got it in the mail, okay? Ops just delivered it. Um, oh, I went the wrong way. So Simon Peter declaring that I am a servant. And then he goes on to say, and apostle. 
Now that word apostle means to send off. And it generally means that you send them with a certain credential on a mission. For example, um, if I were uh, the Caesar uh, and I wanted to send a message to a governor of one of my provinces, provinces I would uh, perhaps give him my ring or I would write a letter and that would say, this is uh, my faithful messenger and I have certified him to come to you and tell you what I want to have done. Uh, and so he becomes, uh, in that sense, a, a representative of the individual who has sent him. And so Simon Peter, a bondservant, and I am an apostle. I am the one who has been sent, and I have certain certifications that tell me that uh, I have healed people, uh, I have converted people, and so I have some certification uh, and that I am an apostle of this, this fellow right here. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so uh, immediately when we open this letter and look at it, we understand that this is a man who is a servant and he's also one who has been sent to give us a message. Now, it goes on, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, we're going to go past it, because I'm coming back there next week. So just hang on. By the righteousness of our Lord, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Well, there's that word again, knowledge. Again, we're looking at Greek, and gnosis is the word for knowledge. And gnosis generally means it's a standard word of knowledge. It's an intellectual knowledge uh, of the facts acquired by study. So if I'm saying I have knowledge of that, that means that I have studied it and looked into it and, 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 if you will, it's really just a head knowledge, but that's the word. That's not the word that's used here. The word that's used here is pigonosis, epigonosis. And it implies a personal and an intimate relationship, a heart knowledge, a knowledge gained by experience. And so... Grace and peace be multiplied to you in an intimate knowledge. Again, let me use husband and wife. You all see me up here. You see me in church from now and now. Some of you have actually been to my house, and you know some things about me. But that's not, that's not the knowledge that we're talking about. We're talking about an intimate knowledge that grace and peace be multiplied to you in the intimate knowledge of God. My wife knows intimate knowledge. She knows how I get upset, why I get upset, what makes me happy, what makes me sad, what foods I like, what foods I don't. And so there's an intimate knowledge about uh, our lives. And that's what Peter is talking about here. I want you by grace and peace to be multiplied to you in this intimate knowledge of 
Jesus Christ. It's yours. And then the next line, seeing that. Well, uh-oh, I'm off-ramp. Seeing that. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you really seeing that? So he says, seeing. Do you see? Do you really see? You know, and seeing sometimes is troublesome. Isaiah tells us, on that day the deaf shall hear words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. And how important it is that we who were blind, as the song goes, now see. And sometimes we see the wrong things. And I'll get on to that in just a second. Joe Friday. Just for fun of it. How many of you know who Joe Friday is? Yes. All the people with walkers. And listen, I didn't even have a TV until 1956. I remember that. I was about six years old when I got this thing called a TV. Uh, and Joe Friday was on, and it was a half hour, I think, a detective show. And one of the things that Joe Friday always did, that was his line, uh, when he would be interviewing people and trying to solve the crime, he would say, just the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. And sometimes when our vision is skewed, we get the facts wrong. I mean, sometimes finances get in the way, sometimes relationships get in the way, sometimes our, even our own self-image gets in the way. Our work, our school, sickness, mental state, we get engulfed in this fact. And I want to show you something from Mark 8. Now here we have here we have, this is just after Jesus had fed the 4,000. And they've gathered up seven full baskets, large baskets, it says, uh, of leftovers. And I don't know where they were at at this point. And they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. Now, listen, you just saw Jesus <laughs> multiply bread. And here you are, and I can, you know, Peter, you were supposed to, I don't do bread, says Peter. Thomas, weren't you supposed to get the bread? No, not me, not me. I doubt that it was me. Who was supposed to get, those are really puns that I've worked on really hard, okay? So I'd appreciate a laugh, all right? I lost my train of thought. Jesus says to them, okay, they're back and forth. They're back and forth. Hey, I'm, here you go. Who's, who's got the bread? Who's got the bread? And he says, what are you guys doing? Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? 
Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? Now, we could go down all of those trails right there. Do you understand? Do you hear? Do you see? I'm just working on C right now. Do you see? And Peter says, seeing that. And you say, I want to see what he's talking about. I want to see. And so I have my eyes glued in so that I can see. We need to see the everything life has granted to us. Mark 8, and here's Jesus healing a man. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting on his eyes, we're not going to go there, and laying his hands upon him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I am seeing them like trees walking about. And then again, he laid his hand upon his eyes, and he, the man, looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. Now, there's a great word there that says looked intently. And we are fast food people. If I don't get my hamburger in three minutes, and when I'm looking at something and I'm reading, I zoom right past it. I'm a glance and go. But it requires sometimes a looking intently to see. I just can't pass it by. And sometimes when you go back, and James talks about that. James says, and for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what kind of person he is. That's a glance. My hair okay? Yep. Okay. I'm out the door. I read, I read my scripture this morning. I'm out the door. But James says, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides in it, remember to live in it, to swim in it, the man who loves and looks at the law of liberty and abides in it, not having forget, become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. He looks intently. And so when we see Peter telling us to, do you see what, I want you to see what I'm talking about. Do we have eyes to see? Do we have ears to hear? Do we have understanding? And has he got us our attention? Seeing that, his divine power has granted to us. Now, I'm going to go past divine power because we could really get tired up there. It's, 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 you can figure it out yourself. But the word granted is a powerful word. See, see we like to have the word we, we, we might want to substitute the word give there. He has given to us. And the, the Greek is a stronger word. It's not I've just given to this. I have granted this to you. And I have I've struggled with what would be another word for granted. And the best I can think of is bestowed. 
He has bestowed this upon us. Not just given it to you, but it's almost as if there's a ceremonial righteousness uh, of giving this to you. I have granted to us. And so it's, 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 it is something that has been bestowed upon us. I'll give you a few other examples. I got a point back there, don't I? Yes. I'll get this in a couple of years. See, Luke says, to you, and now he uses the same word, granted. It has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is in parables and ordered that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. See, it has been bestowed upon you. You, his church. You, the one who is called out of darkness. You. It's been given to you to know what's been hidden from the ages of the beginning. I want to show this to you. Not, and everybody else, they're not going to get it. But you, if you look intently, you will begin to see what I have for you. And so, in conclusion, no, okay. Second Timothy, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, talking about Jesus, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. His grace has been poured out on us that we may know him an intimate knowledge. This has been granted to you. And seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything. Everything. Now, I've racked my brain on what everything is because he has granted to us everything. So you can't say, you didn't give this to me, God, because he says, oh, yes, I did. I gave you everything pertaining to life and godliness. And so I began to think, well, what are these everythings? And I went back to um, Ephesians. And we're going to go through Ephesians here. It's a little off-ramp. Blessed be the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with, who has provided for us, who has given to us, who has granted us everything pertaining to life, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. And now we start in love. And Donovan covered this but you can't cover it enough. God loves you. And because he loved you, in love, he adopted you as a son. You have been called into the family. You have a right standing 
through Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us. So he's given us, he loves us, he's adopted us, he has bestowed upon us grace, grace upon grace upon grace. In him, we're coming back to Alan. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to his riches of his grace. This is everything. This is everything pertaining to life. You have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. In which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery. He's granted to us to know the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth, and in him we also have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end, we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. He has granted us everything. You know, and I don't think that that's a, a, a comprehensive list. Um, uh, he's given us freedom. Um, he's granted us peace. He's granted us joy. He's granted us a new heart. He's granted to us a whole new order, a church. He's granted us gifts. He gave gifts to men. And he has granted to us victory. He has given us, he has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Do you see that? Or do you see your problems in front of you? I've been granted everything pertaining to life and godliness. Oh, I forgot. You were sealed with him in the Holy Spirit. Now, we come to those words life and godliness. And again, Donovan touched on this, but we're going to kind of open it up a little bit. The word for life that is used here is the word zoe. Um, it is not bios. And bios is the necessities of life such as food, clothing, and shelter. But he has granted to us everything pertaining to seeking greater intensity of life and more submissive communication with the head, absolute fullness of life, and a vital spiritual, ethical, and dynamic life Life, not food, clothes, shelter, not money. Jesus said, and this is really great, he said, wait a minute, let's consider clothing. Look at the lilies. Your father clothes them, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, oh let's look at the ravens. Look, your father feeds them, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, our Father feeds them. How much more you? Your Father knows you need these things. But where are you going to get life? Seek first 
the kingdom, he says. And all these things will be added to you. Life does not resound, revolve around our day-to-day. -day. It resolves around our relationship with the head, that vital, I love life. He's given me life. He is life. And this is eternal life that they might know him and him who they sent, Jesus Christ the Lord. Eusebia, godliness. And it actually means worship rightly directed. And I was thinking this morning when we were, you are worthy of worship. I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. And that's what this is saying. He is worthy of worship rightly directed. That is godliness. Godliness is a reverence paid to worth and in right reverence. And it is a manifestation in conduct, conversation, and in sacrifice and prayer. See, godliness reflects itself in your conduct. Ooh. Your conversation, your sacrifices, and your prayers. Godliness. And he has given to us everything that allows us to understand life and godliness. Whereby, oh man, whereby we are, uh, are given unto us exceedingly great and pre precious promises, this is 2 Peter 1, 4, that you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, this is really a controversial passage, but it's true. You have become a partaker in the divine nature. See, when he breathed his spirit into you, you came to life. And you became alive and part of him because it's his spirit that's in you. I have the Holy Spirit within me. I've become a partaker of divine nature. Therefore, having been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we might walk in newness of life. See, we have become new people. We've become partakers of that divine nature. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine would burst the skins and would be spilled out. The skins would be ruined, but new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. God has breathed into you his spirit that you might become partakers of that divine nature that you might walk in newness of life, that you would be that new creature and that old things would pass away and that you would walk in that newness of life.
I'm going to pass that one because I'm running out of time. I'm going to pass that one because I'm running out of time. How then should we live? If you have been brought into this newness of life, if you have been a partaker, and all this has been granted to you, well, Galatians says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the old way of life. But you are not those who shrink back to destruction, says Hebrews 10.39, but those who have faith in the preserving of the soul. And as a result, we eat differently. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I give him for the life of the word is my flesh. We eat differently. And for the sake of time, I want you to know that we drink differently from John 4. We think differently. We have been renewed in the spirit of our mind from Ephesians 4. We walk differently. We hear differently. We see differently. We talk differently. We feel differently. Ephesians 5.15 says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Isaiah said, In the last days good will be called evil, and evil will be called good. You have been, by the grace of God, provided everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness. And so the next time you find yourself complaining, the next time you find yourself throwing your own little pity party, just remember what Peter's telling you. You have been granted everything that pertains to life and godliness. You have been made a partaker of the divine nature. Do you grasp it? Do you see it? Do you hear it? Do you understand it? Or do you just look at the facts? Just the facts. Oh, my bills are big. You have a God who provides you. Your father knows you have need. Oh, the kids are bad. Your father knows the kids are bad. <laughs> He's got a whole bunch of them. <laughs> but he has provided you with everything that you need. Don't set a blind eye to it. 
Second, First Corinthians 15. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. We have looked at 1 Peter verses 1 through 4. Meditate on those. Chew on those. And let him add to it. Look intently at these four simple verses and see what else he gives you. See what else he wants to feed into you, what else he wants to open your eyes to, what he wants to speak to you to open your ear. Because he has things for us that have been a mystery, and he wants to reveal that. Amen? Amen. We are now going to take time for communion.